I want to focus here for a few minutes on a simple thought. Out of these first five verses, probably something we've all at times thought to ourselves, Lord, increase my faith. Starting here in Luke chapter 17 in the first verse, then he said unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee. Rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to even gather in your house this evening. I pray that you'll be with us as we endeavor to understand not the quantity of faith, but the quality of it. That we in our own lives will take the step of faith, Lord, that at times it seems that we all struggle with just trusting in you. Lord, I give thanks to you for all that you've done. We praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. It was said that a businessman had set out to travel to a small town in Colorado for a business meeting, and while he set off for this small meeting, he invited his wife to come, figuring that they would go sightseeing after the business meeting. His wife was extremely excited that she was even invited to go with him on this business trip. After she packed her bags up, her husband told her that the plan was to take this small twin-engine Cessna plane to fly to Colorado. A few hours passed by and the wife came back to her husband and said, Oh, honey, you know what? I've decided not to go. The husband pondering how this could even happen after she had just said how excited she was to go. He said, Why not? She said, I'm not going on a little bitty twin engine Cessna. Her husband smiled at her and said, Honey, your faith is too small. She responded quickly, no, honey, that plane is too small. The businessman really wanted his wife to go with him, so he canceled the Cessna flight and took a major airline. His wife then decided to go with him because, as she put it, her faith grew because of the size of the plane grew. You see, the object of her faith, meaning the size of the plane determined how much faith she had. You know, while our faith is in God, which since our faith is in God, and God is huge, far beyond our understanding, the creator of all the universe, it would seem since God is so big and we are so small and our faith is in him, we shouldn't struggle at all with faith. 
Yet what happens, it seems, in our own lives, as we face obstacles of different sizes, the larger the obstacle that we face in our life, somehow, psychologically, not in reality, mentally, the size of this obstacle that we face causes us to shrink the size of our God, which this is not so. It seems that we all at times struggle with our faith. Matter of fact, when we just read in these first five verses of Luke chapter 17, the apostles had arrived at a place where they struggled with their faith. They arrived at a place when the Lord told them how to conduct themselves in the Christian life. They observed themselves and all of the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Meaning we cannot handle what you just told us. We can't even process having the kind of faith that it would take to do what you just said. Faith is not something that we carry around in a five-gallon bucket and say, you know what? I don't have enough faith to do that. Lord, top me off with some more faith so I can handle the task that you have before me. Faith is not quantity. Faith is quality. Matter of fact, when you get to verse 6, the Bible says, And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. That there alone lets us know this is not a quantity matter. This is the quality of our faith that's being challenged here. If we were honest today, we would have to question ourselves and what makes us say today? What obstacles do we face in our life that we come back and we say, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase my faith. It seems that when we face things that we just don't think we can do, when we hear about things that are set before us, that is our quick response. In those first four verses leading into this statement that causes the disciples to say in verse 5 that we need more faith, this situation that's unfolded before them, look at it here closely. Verse 1, Then said he unto the disciples, the Lord speaking to his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. The Lord is telling them in this very first verse, listen, as you serve me and as you're in ministry, offenses will surely come. You will find yourself in your own spiritual life while you're trying to do your best for the Lord that you are offended. Notice this is not an exclusion, meaning that this doesn't exclude believers out of it. Meaning that, It's not just the world that's going to offend us. It's not just the world who we're going to find ourselves in a situation in where we have found ourselves in offense with another person. On accident, we can offend each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Offenses will come in ministry. Verse 2, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea, then he should offend one of these 
little ones. You know, this verse here offers to us this, that the, and we've even seen this for those who visited other churches, and maybe you've, vis- you've experienced this in your time in ministry. It's sad, but yet it is so common that you can arrive in a church, and when you arrive in the church, that people's clout is due to human relations instead of our relationship with God. I can remember something happening in my own life, and they said, you don't want to do with that? Not here. You don't want to deal with that? You don't want to get involved with that? Their family is really high up in the church. This is a wrong thought process. This is a wrong step. This is against Scripture's teaching here. Jesus said, it's better to tie a millstone around your neck and to be cast into the sea than to offend one of the little ones. Oh, you mean to offend children? Yeah, sure. But also to offend one of the Lord's little ones. You see, we just talked about this on Sunday. There is no such thing in God's kingdom as a second-rate citizen. There's no such thing in God's kingdom as someone who is second-rate at all. When you read this text here in verse 2, that it would be better to tie this millstone to your neck and to be cast into the sea than to offend one of the little ones, it is an open-ended statement than to say that is exactly what Jesus' point of view is before we, view, before we offend someone in the house of God. See, when we lose rank and file and the fact that when we develop rank and file and try to implement that in the church instead of recognizing that we're all a part of the kingdom of God, Equally, troubles will come. Offenses will come. So to view someone in the church as less than you is to arrive in a place of grave danger. Notice what he says here. He doesn't say the lost person. No. No, indeed it does not. It would say it would be better for him, whoever him is, that is this grievous damage that would be done by him to the very least of Christ's people. So this is a dangerous dangerous sin. You would almost say that Jesus is implying that what could really be worse, and just because it seems to have, you have such a stronger stance, or you, you, you view someone as a weaker brother, we do not have the right to grieve any child of God. And that is, we are all inductees into the kingdom of God. This is not about our kingdom. This is about God's kingdom. So yes, there's this implication which applies to the fact that we are not to offend God's little children. There is something spiritual being taught here that we have no right to offend someone who we may view as little in the kingdom of God. God says, before you ever arrive at this place, Jesus says, before you ever arrive in this kind of a thought process where you have lifted yourself up, let me tell you what would be better before you put your authority upon them. It's better for the millstone in the bottom of the sea. Moving forward, it's also true of even of our 
own children. There's a story that was told about this man who he, it's about the story about this guy who was an alcoholic father. And this alcoholic father, he, he had a habit of waiting till everyone would fall asleep in the home. And as they would fall asleep in the home, he would slip out of the house and go down the street to the bar. Well, one winter evening, he thought that everyone had fallen asleep. And right as he thought his wife had fallen asleep, he slipped out the front door and started to make his way down the tavern. And as he was walking down, he didn't make it far, and he heard snow crushing behind him. He quickly turned around in a frantic state, and he said, What are you doing? It was his son. He said, Dad, I'm just following in your footsteps. And this is a reality of where we are even with verse 2. This is what the apostles are taking in. It's not only how we offend others in the kingdom of God. It's that those who are following us, we can lead them into a place of offense with how we conduct our lives. The Lord is saying, woe to this kind of behavior. Even further, in verse 3 here, well, even more, Ephesians 5, chapter 5 and verse 15, what does he say there? So that we walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Psalms 133, I often quote in the 119th chapter, verse 133, David said, Order my steps in thy word. Meaning our walk, our walk, should be according to Scripture as not to pull people into offense. In verse 3 here, I kind of feel like this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the Lord's Word caught some traction in their heart. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Verse 4, And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive you, forgive him. This is where I feel like the, I mean, it's really like a humble statement out of the apostles' mouth. The next thing out of their mouth is, Lord, increase our faith. When they are posed with this reality that they are called to forgive, Meaning, we get this if somebody offends us, right? If somebody's caused fault against us, if someone in somehow in some way has missed the mark, the Lord says, forgive them. We get that. Oh, of course, you know, I I'm going to forgive you. But where it becomes a harder situation for the apostles is, see if you see it there. And if he trespassed thee against thee seven times, Okay, so we look at this in our own ministry, in our own lives, in our own things. You know, people who maybe make a trespass against us, we say seven times. We'll write people off for one trespass. But notice what the Lord says. And if he trespass against these seven times, the next part is the troubling in a day. The Lord is preparing their hearts. Listen, if somebody offend you seven times in a day and they come and repent that they offended you seven times in a day, the Lord says, 
forgive them. Not in a day. Forgive them that day. This only can say, Lord, increase my faith. (laughs) We struggle with this element of forgiveness. We struggle with the thought process of letting go, letting go of the troubles, letting go of the offenses, letting go, letting, let, just let go of all of these trespasses against us. I mean, there are things that cause me amazement. I've spoken to people who I love dearly, matter of fact, whom I even thank God for. And it could bring up offenses that they're still bitter about 10 and 15 years ago. I can't even remember that long ago. And yet they're still mad over something that happened. The Lord says, uh, forgive, Uh, forgive and forgive. Even in the same day, the apostles response to the Lord is increase our faith. You see the size of the matter. This mountain of spiritual input from the Lord, they said, I barely have enough to forgive once in a lifetime. And here you're telling me this. I definitely need more faith. Which to be forward about this, like I said, it's one of the most humble things I think they could said. Yet I think they're completely off course. The Lord's response to this saying when they say to the Lord, Lord, you see this situation you just put before us? We don't do this. (laughs) We need to increase our faith. The Lord and then turns the table to them and says, this is not quantity. This is the quality of your faith. How does he say that? Verse six. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now, look at this statement, what the Lord is saying here. This hit deep to the apostles. Now, for us, we may not fully understand it, but the apostles clearly understood exactly what the Lord was implying to them here. If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, this is what they call in the Greek a first-class condition, meaning that the condition in the first class is that they did have the faith as a mustard seed, but they was viewing it qualitatively that they needed more instead of seeing what they actually had. So he says this quantity, we need more. The Lord says, you don't need more. It is the quality. Now, if you could just have the faith of a mustard seed here, really you could say the Lord is implying nuclear results would happen in their life. Wikipedia says that the faith of a mustard seed, or not the faith of the mustard seed, the Wikipedia says that a mustard seed is just one to two millimeters in size. The Lord says if you have the faith of that very mustard seed, you would have enough faith with the spoken word of your own voice to rip this tree up out of the ground and say, be removed and plant it into the ocean. You would have enough faith to have this action here. In other words, small faith 
the Lord is saying. And a big God can move trees. And even in Matthew, he says small faith and a big God is enough faith because God's so big to move even mountains. That's what he says in Matthew 17 and verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for really I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So he says again in our verse, verse number six, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea. And, it, and what? And it should obey you. Now, this sycamine tree, they say that the sycamine tree is some 20 feet tall. Huge tree. They say that the sycamine tree, some call it even, they say that it's cross-referenced. It's actually like a mulberry tree. They say it produces a delicious fruit. But the fact that this sycamine tree is 20 foot tall and broad, it produces this delicious fruit, was not the point in which the Lord was making to the apostles. See, what the Lord was making to the apostles is that the Old Testament ancient writers in regards to these sycamine trees said that they actually believed that it was impossible to uproot one of these trees. They said that the old writers, the ancient writers said about this tree that the best thing you could do is just burn it because it is impossible to get all the roots up out of the ground. You see, sycamine trees were known for going twice as deep as they were above ground. They were not only known for going deep, they were known for going wide. Matter of fact, the sycamine tree, they said, lives up to 600 years. And its root system is interwoven and woven down deep. This is what the Lord is trying to teach the disciples. If you just had the faith of a mustard seed, you would be able to uproot the uprootable. If you just had the faith of the mustard seed, the things that you think cannot be removed in your life can be removed. And so it is even for us in our lives as we face these obstacles, as we face offenses, as we face troubles in our life. It is not the statement that we should say, Lord, give me more faith. It is, Lord, help me to exercise the faith that I have. It's not that we need more faith. It's just that we have to get to a place where we start trusting God, where we start exercising our faith in God. We all struggle with it at times. Even before the services, I found myself going back and forth pacing, trying to make sure I get everything in order for when I file taxes next year because I've never filed taxes this way before. I'm calling Bob Evans. I'm calling Julie. Julie, will you file my taxes? I just know I'm going to mess it up. She said, have faith. It's going to work out. I said, oh, don't say that. I'm about to preach about this. But we like to lay our hands to things and try to work things out ourselves when we should just step back and have faith. In truth, God has 
never in my life yet left me in a place where it should cause me to doubt him. He's never left me in a place where I felt like I should even worry that he was going to come up short in his aid to me in my life. He hasn't done it yet. But yet, with this obstacle, I don't want to find myself in trouble. There's nothing to worry about. But I'm just paranoid. But this obstacle seems so big. What happened? It causes you to realign your focus for a minute. When the apostles, when the disciples hear that we should... (laughs) Seek to live in unity, seek to forgive, whether it's 70 times seven, whether it's seven times a day. If someone asks for forgiveness, let it be offended. And they say, well, we can't forgive that way. Why? Because bitterness in our hearts is deep rooted. When it when it gets inside of us, it seems that it never lets go. Matter of fact, it's not hard to figure out within a few minutes of conversating with someone that they're bitter. It doesn't take much time at all. Wow. I mean, why? Because the roots have settled far down in their heart. But if we would just have faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, we would have the ability to uproot the things that have caused us bitterness in our lives and cast it into the sea where it can't grow no more. I love that thought that something so deep-rooted can be taken to a place where it cannot grow. Yeah, it's big now. Yeah, it's deep-rooted now. But if you just have faith that God is working, the place it's headed, it will no longer flourish in your life. So the apostle said, Lord, increase my faith. Our faith today as believers, we need to focus on exercising our faith. (laughs) We are much like the apostles. We are, if we're saved, we are in the first person condition. We have faith. You may say, well, I need more faith. No, we need to remember the faith that first made us call out to the Lord. We need to remember that faith. We oftentimes appreciate the concept of forgiveness, but we don't oftentimes appreciate the practice of it. We we like to take the word of God and say, you offended me now. And the Bible says that you should be repenting to me and asking for forgiveness, but we do not like it when people come to us and say, you've offended me. Grow up. That's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. The Bible says that not only should we forgive, but the Bible says that if we will just act in faith, it will go to a place in which it can never grow again in our lives. Let's, in closing here, our faith is not a quantity. Remember that. It is a quality. The Lord's focus on the disciples as they faced this huge obstacle was stop asking for more faith. 
and focus on the faith that you do have. And if you'll focus on the faith that you do have, you will find yourselves doing things that the world will call unrootable. The world will say it's impossible for this tree to be unrooted and God can move it out of your life. It's impossible to overcome this and God will move it out of your life. It's impossible to restore this relationship and God will restore this relationship. Because why? With God, all things are possible. So may we all exercise our faith. Don't say, well, you know, their faith, their faith is so strong. They have great faith. And I do think, I think that we do have a deeper place of faith in the Lord. But it only comes from exercising the faith that we do have. We can't ask for more faith if we're not exercising the faith in which we already have. And the faith in which we already have is enough faith to forgive. It's enough faith to remove. It's enough faith to trust. And it's enough faith to live out our Christian lives. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you, Lord, for all that you've done. I know that it's a Wednesday evening, Lord, and many struggle to get here, Lord, and the, uh, the, the, the woes of the work week, Lord. But we thank you for the opportunity to even be able to gather here and glean from your word. We give thanks to you for all that you've done, Lord. Lord, I pray that even for us, Lord, as we go out, Lord, that we exercise the faith that we do have, that we try to Lord, depend upon you daily, lean upon you, trust in you. Lord, may it not be the obstacles versus who we are, but it's the obstacle versus who you are. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.